0: All right, we're on. We are on live at bowhunterplanet.com and the BHP podcast, and uh, we apologize for the delay. We had a delay. We were trying to get this thing to work a little easier, but it did not work out like we hoped. So we got some more fixes to do, and that's okay. It's still new for us. So anyway, um want to warm welcome our guest, Evan Williams from Hoyt. Evan, how are you, man?
1: doing good guys how are you all doing
0: today doing great uh thanks for joining us we appreciate i know you're super busy not only with bow launch stuff but also with uh hunting yourself so tell us how, how's things going for you i guess on your season first before we talk white
1: um colorado early was was really rough on me um had a colorado high country deer tag and over-the-counter elk and got into an area and wasn't quite as aggressive as I needed to be and, and missed an opportunity on probably a three twenty three 325 wow. 6 by bull elk on the uh, opening evening of the hunt and um, spent the next about eight days up in the high country trying to find some good meal there. And uh, Moon phase was off a little bit early this year. Um, was dealing with quite a bit of cattle um, up in the Forest Service area, so it, uh, it had the deer on some different patterns and we saw five shooter bucks uh 175 or better Wow! and of those five four of them that we really wanted to target and go after we never saw past the the first initial um spotting so um assumed they hit the timber and took a drainage out to get away from the cattle and never saw them again wow Um, from there Kind of laid off on everything with the launch and catalog prep and, and shooting all the release videos, and then right after launch, I hit out to Kansas. I had a uh, an either species tag, so on that I could harvest a whitetail or a mule deer buck. Nice. And I hit the state line in Kansas on November <coughs> fourth at six forty, and I had a one seventy mule deer on the ground at nine thirty that morning, uh, on public ground.
0: Wow. Very cool. That is awesome. So now do you get, is this most of your hunting done? Uh, I'm assuming out West. Most of it is. Yep. Um,
1: so I will typically hunt Utah and Colorado and then I am hunting Kansas every year. Awesome.
0: Any chance to get over to the, uh, Midwest over here in, uh, in, uh, Northern. <laughs>
1: I, I haven't. Um, I've got some buddies that have ground in Iowa and Indiana, uh, another group in Illinois, um, and just haven't ever made it back that far. I don't, uh, don't quite have the time between the Colorado trip and the Kansas trip, usually.
0: Yeah. When you go, generally, how long are you going? Like a week or how many days generally for a hunt?
1: Yeah, so I, I take the Monday through Friday off, and then I have obviously the weekend on both ends for travel and hunting. So I'm getting anywhere from seven to nine days of hunting and depending on how far I'm driving.
0: Nice. Nice. That's exciting. And, and I'm assuming most of you, what you do is bow hunting. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, which would make sense. <laughs> Olympic style rifle shooting.
0: Oh wow. And
1: so I, I don't have anything against rifle hunters or rifle hunting at all. Um, just making it such a big part of my life for as long as I did with the goals that I had. I don't have the fulfillment that I used to because of it. So bow hunting presents a unique challenge and opportunity that I I don't get on the rifle side. And honestly, it puts me at ground level and I get to have a little more fun with decoys and tactics and, and little different aspects the game
0: if you will yeah that's really cool i actually i just pulled up this photo of you shooting this uh, wild looking gun um <laughs> i've never seen anything <laughs> like this before in my life and you got like a special glove on this is like mm-hmm. insane like so this is some sort of competitional type shooting and what what kind of caliber is that gun
1: um so olympic star rifle you have basically two different uh, categories you have air rifle which is just your standard 0.177 pellet Um, Both men and women shoot that competition all from standing, Hmm. and so it's all freehand. Uh, Typically, your firearms, your air rifles are weighing up to 7... I think you're allowed 7.5 kilograms. Um, So, I mean, you can get some fairly heavy firearms. And then the twenty twos are your what they call small bore Um, the men have two different competitions you have 50 meter small bore prone which is 60 shots all from your belly and then you have a three by 40 match which is shot 40 shots from each of a prone kneeling and a standing position 50 meters again no optics are allowed it's all open sights um, using a peep style, so it's it's concentric circles.
0: This thing is this is wild. I, I, it's actually kind of exciting. Like when you said one seven seven, I was like excited because that'd be like a lot of fun to shoot. Like I think it'd be fun. It'd just be like ping, Oh, it's ping. awesome. And the, what do you use? Co two. What you're projects it? It's,
1: hard, it's about the size of a silver dollar. Wow. As far as the scoring rings are concerned, the 10 ring is about the size of a times new roman font period
0: wow 10
1: meters and again no no magnification of any kind is allowed and you're shooting from a freehand standing position
0: oh man so what what for the 177 category what propels that is that is that just compressed air or is that like co2 like you pump it okay so it's like Um,
1: so you you have a, a a compression air cylinder um, and those are basically what we use to refill those is actual um, certified, so so safe um, um, scuba tanks.
0: Oh, got it, yep, that makes sense. We had that, you know, we were playing with that uh, from Crossman or, or ourselves, we were playing with some of their air guns recently this past year. And uh, that we had to get a, go to a scuba place to get them to fill the CO two thing <laughs> so we we're like, yep. how do we fill this thing? We couldn't figure it out for a while there, um, and then yep. we were able to do it by you know, um, by going there. But it took a while to figure out who would do it and how how it would get done. And, and Chris traveled all around the state <laughs> trying to figure it yep. out. But uh, because
1: he's so all of our stuff was uh, German, um, so each different German company because there's there's mainly three different models. Uh, in the market, you have Walther, Feinwerkbau, and Onshoot. And all three of those air cylinders take a different adapter for different tanks. So you have to have the special adapter that goes with your cylinder to go to a tank.
0: Wow. Interesting. That's pretty cool, man. How long did you do that for?
1: Uh started doing the Olympic style in nineteen ninety.
2: Eight Wow um, and then
1: I, I officially put it down in 2011 so and then before before98 um, I was doing some other competitive still rifle stuff um, and learned about the Olympic style after qualifying for a team and going to the 98 Atlanta Wolf Creek Olympic shooting sports venue. And that's where I picked up my first Olympic style rifle and started working towards a collegiate scholarship and then, uh, working towards the U S Olympic team.
0: Wow. Holy cow. That's exciting. That's like a, uh, how'd you get into archery then? I guess, how did you transition from this, this category to the archery category?
1: Yeah. Uh, Senior year in college, was back home for Thanksgiving break, and my younger brother had fixed up uh, an old bow that Dad had, and we both at that time picked up over-the-counter tags because we were residents and uh, shot my first deer in November of 2006 and got hooked. Uh, bought my first bow in January of 2007, And I actually would take that to college with me and would shoot in my air gun range at school with my archery equipment just as a cross-training tool because I was already putting in almost 50 hours of training a week with my guns, So it was just something to kind of break up the monotony because the the fundamentals and the routines are very, very similar. Um, So it was just a way for me to change up things a little bit. And um, when I moved to Colorado Springs to full-time at the training center I need a part-time job to supplement my income and got a job for the local pro shop
0: very cool well that's how we all do it right <laughs> gotta start somewhere build our way up and yep. enjoy it um how did you uh so that's is that how you got into hunting in general
1: no um I've actually been hunting literally since I was nine months old uh, my mom would carry me out in the field when my dad was up on hunting and Um, It's always been a huge part of our family and our culture. Um, Always more on the rifle side. We really didn't get into bow hunting. Um, Dad did a little bit in the late 80s and early 90s, and then just put it down because of his job and the time. So we were always uh, firearms hunters, whether that was um, hunting upland birds or uh, rifle hunting for deer in Kansas and Nebraska.
2: Wow.
1: Kind of what geared us towards the, the rifle competitive side because um, we were doing so much of that anyway hunting that it was just a pretty easy transition to do it all year round and just kind of came full circle and came back to archery.
0: Yeah that's really cool man and you know this podcast is, is an important one because we asked the hard questions so the <laughs> biggest hard question is which bow were you shooting before you went to Hoyt? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that i get it i get it but um, um
1: I, I shot i shot one briefly that wasn't a Hoyt um until there was an issue with the limb after four months
0: yeah and
1: i didn't have any faith in that model anymore
0: yeah that makes sense i, I you know i've been through a lot of bows in my life and i i remember for me, uh, my turning point was in 2009, and I had just got this bow. It was actually a Diamond Raptor, and it for some reason this was the old Diamond brand before Bowtech acquired them. And mm-hmm. it, it, the bow would jump like I don't know why it, it, when you fired it, it would literally bounce up an inch or half inch, but I couldn't figure it out. Like, and I, I wasn't really big into like the techie side of, of the yeah. bow stuff, so. I missed four deer in a row with that bow, four deer, and I couldn't figure out, I thought maybe it was just me, so I went out to the store, I bought a totally different brand, walked in, you know, I, I walked out, I spent about six, seven hundred bucks, walked out of a Bass Pro at the time, and I shot a deer like literally a week later, so I'm like, okay, now nah, I feel better, right, and then then things really transitioned, that was the first year we started bowing our planet too, it was so funny, because I was like, oh, I gotta see what this is all about, and da, da, da. <laughs> So anyhow, let's talk about Hoyt now. I mean, Hoyt is a brand that's synonymous with history of archery. It's a wonderful company that's been around for a very long time. A great family who started it. How did I guess? Let's start with the 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 easier questions that people would ask, like you know how how did you how did you get to Hoyt? I guess how did you get into that position?
1: Um. So again, I took a job when I moved out to Colorado. I was in the local pro shop and um, spent almost nine years. Out there helping bring that shop up um, before I got there they had basically a bunch of part-time guys so there wasn't really any consistency and I was able to come in as a full-time employee where um, it really gave the customer base a consistent face and a, a consistent um, voice to be able to talk to and and being there all the time again, you, you kind of build a little bit of a reputation, if you will, and and uh, we were definitely able to do that, and really grew that company along with the owner, um, and then the part-time guy that we brought in full-time right before I left, and um, I had tried to get on with Hoyt from a, an employee standpoint, and wasn't ever one where I got a call back or anything, so um, at the time, the shop owner, myself, and the other full-time guy were all running hoist, and our sales with some other manufacturers were suffering because of that. And so I was asked by the owner to pick up a different brand and shoot that and help some sales to keep our, our sales volume up so we could keep our price points. And I did and stepped in with a new bow. I had it two days went to a 3d shoot, um, shot 20 up on an unmarked course. And one of our kids actually took a picture of me at full draw with that bow. And it somehow made it back to my Hoyt rep. We then took it to the customer service manager at Hoyt, and then took it to the VP of sales and marketing who then was calling my cell phone to see what was going on.
2: <laughs> and
1: about two days later, I had taken another phone call and had a plane ticket to come out and interview for a position they had opened in the marketing department and ended up accepting that job and moved out here in September.
0: <laughs> that's a pretty cool story. You just never know how stuff ends up. <laughs> no,
1: nope. and, and you never know who's watching. That's, oh, yeah. that's one of the bigger things
0: that's for sure you know you that it's one thing that we've always been careful of is like you just you just never know who's going to see what we're doing so everything's going to be on the up and up
1: yep yep you know and and unfortunately right now that's
0: something you can see
1: in the industry with some things that have happened that and you never you never know what's going to get out you never know what's what's going to get seen and what's not and you just kind of got to take a look at yourself in the mirror and go, <laughs> you know what, it's
0: not right, and we'll just leave it there and yeah. move on. Yeah, I think it's never uh, worth that, it. Uh, to me, that's always been a simple one. It's just either it's right or it's wrong. You know, It doesn't matter what the scenario is, who you work for, what you shoot. It doesn't matter. The point is what's right's right is right, it's wrong, wrong. <laughs> and if you have bad ethics and you can't figure that out, then uh, uh, good luck having people like you. I mean, it's pretty simple in life, I think, when it comes to that stuff. So, um, Hoyt um, being there, I guess, what's it like to work for Hoyt? Like, is that like a. I, I, you know, a lot of people always ask that. They're like, oh, you know, you guys work all these companies. What's it like to work there? I'm like, well, I don't work there, so I don't know. <laughs> but, well, I mean, I guess, what, I guess, tell us, what's it like to be there and, you know, and, and experience it and see the launches before people see them and, you know, get to be in the front end? So, in the marketing department wise,
1: extremely high-paced it's fun because we've got so many projects going all the time and, and seeing the overlap and, and you know, the engineers are back working on the the next year's product. And at the same time, we're starting to design and look at the the next year's clothing and how do we want the catalog to lay out for the next year? And I mean, we just launched seven weeks ago and we're already looking at 2019. And yeah, um, so it, it's always a forward thinking, like, you know, okay, this is where we're at now. What's, what's our next step? Where are we going to take this? Where are we going to go? Um, where do we see the industry going, and, and how do we stay ahead of that game? Um, a lot of strategy involved, and, and again, like I said, super fast-paced. Um, you used to probably be able to say that you kind of had a slow season from, oh, first part of April, through to August, first part of September, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and you know, with with the amount of shows and shoots and events and and everything popping up, there's there's really not a slow season. You just got to take your uh, your vitamin C in the morning and, and let it get through the day.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's changed a lot. I think uh, you're right, though. I mean, in order to keep up and and do, I mean, even for us to be honest, we're we're constantly doing stuff all year round. It's never and even when we're hunting, we're also like, we should probably be doing this. Or, we should, you know, it's like very, it's, it kind of becomes a little frustrating after a while. But I, I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I don't like it. I think that you have to really want to be in the industry and do stuff in this industry to do it. And it's just the way it is. And, and, and you know, in some cases, I tell people all the time, they, you know, obviously, you know, you, you work in marketing with sponsorships and things like that. In my opinion, sometimes it's better just to go buy the bow. Then deal with, you know, because then you're put to work. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think people are, <laughs> realize, you know, if you're sponsored by something, then you're expected to provide things, you know. Yeah. Content's not cheap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by oh, yeah. giving a discount or a free bow, whatever the deal is, right, you're, you're expected to give something. Yeah. That's you what I tell a lot of our guys. They're like, oh, when are you going to give us a free bow? I'm like, I'm telling you right now, you're better off getting a part-time job because I make about 15 cents an hour. doing Yeah, I was going to say.
2: Well, and you
1: know I, in my position i get i get tons of emails about it and and you know one of the best things you can do is look at what you're doing from a regional and a national level and you know what is your reach like if you're a local guy it's okay to be there yeah and it's okay to want to grow and to get to that national recognition but but grow that at a rate that you can physically Keep up with your followers and have that interaction so that they stay with you and you're, you're developing your own personal brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first sponsorship I remember getting being a shop employee um, and having the company physically say, you know, we want to send you products because we know how long you've been there, and we've physically been able to go back and track and see the increase in sales and the revenue that you brought our company – because you're a guy behind the counter using our product and paying for it, and you trust and believe in it, and you're selling it. Yep. That was the toughest year mentally I have ever been through. Because now I've, I've got a company who has said, We're going to put our faith and trust in you to continue selling product and to get us this content and these assets. So.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and you're, sitting, yeah. you're sitting up above 12,000 feet going, I can't shoot that deer because he just he's probably not going to be what they're looking for. And and I can't shoot that deer because he's really not what they're looking for. And, and you're sitting there, you know, just nervous and itchy and twitching. And, and I don't know, I mean, do I shoot that deer? Or do, I, do I shoot something over there? Because, well, I can get in on that buck, but he, he's not what I would normally shoot. But do I just put something on the ground so that... People can see me taking animals with this equipment.
0: Yeah, uh, it gets oh, frustrating. It was, it it's, was it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that that year when I, I finally killed a buck and it was uh, it was day nine of an eight day hunt yeah. and uh, my boss wasn't too happy about it, but uh, I ended up taking a 150 inch three by mule deer that I had seen on the first day, and I shot him at like ten yards out in the wide open in a transition area with a decoy and I literally I shot him and he he ran about 30 yards and looked at me and fell over and I just remember everything went numb fingers arms legs head everything went numb and I just fell over on my back in this pasture literally and just started crying (laughs) the tag was filled and I was done and I I did it on well, I considered a very, very good buck for what I had seen.
0: Wow, that's crazy, man. It's stressful. I don't. I you know. I I think one of the reasons, like for us specifically, you know, we we were originally doing some like you know. I mean, you know, our shows. We've worked with you on some stuff, and we we were originally trying to do more of the amateur hunter, how the amateur hunter lives and does that. But to be honest, the hunting part of it became kind of a hassle for us, and I was like, you know, I think I prefer to focus our efforts on content management, content media, and just content in general. Because I felt like with the hunting, it was getting too different. You know, I had guys like taking shots that they probably shouldn't have taken. And, you know, and and then it's like, I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, that's not a good shot to take, you know. Or, you know, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? Or, oh, it's the broadhead. It's this, it's that, right? It's just too many excuses and, and not enough just enjoying hunting, you know. So I kind of cut all of our shows this past year. We cut Bone Driven. We cut Hunt Series. We basically just, we brought it all back in house to our core, what we're really good at, which is Test Lab, which is the podcast, which is uh, BHP Kids, something we're focusing on this year. So, I mean, like, th- these are things that, in my mind, we need to bring it back. you know. And so we took a step back from where we were going and said, we don't need to compete in hunting. There's so many great hunters out there, and they do a great job filming, and, and it's a lot of work, but they get it done.
2: Who needs to see
0: me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we still do our own little stuff, yeah. but, like, it's very small. It's not meant to be a big promotion. It's not meant to have any sponsors. It's just really us just enjoying ourselves. And if, like you said, you know, if your followers want to see it, well, I want to still provide it, but under yep. one name without a sponsor. Because I just prefer to let people use whatever they want. It's just easier. Use what you want. Because otherwise, then they expect things. Oh, well, then you need to give me this and that and this. And, you know, And I'm just like, no, it's, I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's, let's yep. cut that right now. So, uh, anyway, so, yeah, Hoyt launches the new bows. Let's talk about the new lineup this year. Can you go through that for us and let us know what we got here? So, on the hunting
1: side, um, we still have the carbon series around, um, and then we made some adjustments on the aluminum side. Starting with the carbon, we've launched a new philosophy, um, and that's the Redworks series. And it's it's literally everything that you want in a bow, smooth, um, fast full of energy, um, and, you know, we lowered the grip position. We still have a 3-series with that, um, and 3-series, I mean, we have the three different bows. Um, So, you have the Carbon RX-1. It's a 32-inch axle-to-axle, 6-inch brace height, shooting 340 feet per second, you have the RX-1 Ultra, it's a 35-inch axle-axle, 6-inch brace height, shooting 330 feet per second, and then we still have a turbo in the line, and what we did with that one this year is we've actually shortened it, so it's also a 32-inch, it's a 5-3-quarter-inch and three quarter inch brace, shooting 350. So those are going to be our quote-unquote flagships, those are going to be the, the carbon line. On the aluminum side, we've always had a mirror image. So you had the three bows in the carbon and the three bows in aluminum to match those as far as specs. But the difference was one was a carbon riser and one was an aluminum. Yeah. What we did this year is we eliminated the 35 and the turbo out of the aluminum line and just have the Hyperforce. So the Hyperforce has the same cam, same cable system, uh, it's got the same geometry as far as the, the grip position as the Redworks line. Aluminum riser, 32-inch axle-to-axle, 6-inch brace height at 340 feet per second. Additionally, we added a new facelift to the XL, So the bow in name is still the same, but it's a completely redesigned model. Um, it has the new ZT hypercam so it's got the the split cable system on the bottom um has the lower grip geometry it's got the rear stabilizer mount with our hard lock system that we developed and patented with the prevail in 2017 it's a 35 and three quarter inch axle axle with a seven inch brace height it shoots 325 feet per second the other unique thing that we've done on the Double XL this year is it's now fully loaded with our three cam system, so you can get it in a number two, number three, or a number four cam system. That takes your draw length range from 29 inches on the bottom side, or I'm sorry, 26 and a half inches on the bottom side, all the way up to 33 inches,
0: depending on
1: Which cam it's really? Wow,
0: that's big. Where
1: last year, if you wanted that spec as far as the the actual axle and everything, but you were a shorter draw length shooter, you'd have to go through the custom shop and pay a little bit more to get that in a different cam. Now it's a standard option.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool. Wow, it's it's exciting. Like I always I love hearing about the new bows. It's so fun. Okay, so. I'm looking at the bows. I'm looking at um, the camos. This was interesting to me. So you guys have a, a pretty good variety on here. Um, so buckskin is this a is this like a I, I'm, is that like a tannish brown?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a textured uh, tan, khaki, sand kind of in that range. Um, again, it has it has the same texturing that our blackout bow does, and then the only pattern as far as Camel-wise, they actually carried over and did not change was the Under Armour Ridge Reaper. We have three new patterns. We have the Sitka Subalpine, the Cuyu Verde 2.0, and then Realtree has launched their new Edge pattern. So that is the third new pattern um, that's available on any of the Redworks series, the uh, XXL or the hyperforce
0: the um the opni fade sub alpine is that a new one from them yeah Sidka
1: okay. sorry Sidka released the sub alpine line last year and they kind of teased it in december but uh it was a full blown launch at the HGA show last year in january okay and they've They've really put some marketing behind them. Um, Right now, as far as when I go through my social media and when I look at my feed and kind of look at things, um, it's probably, to me, one of the most prevalent patterns of 2017.
0: Looks awesome. That's what I was thinking. I'm excited about the edge, too. I mean, Realtree has teased us with it. Uh, Tyler was on the podcast a couple months, about two months ago, before he started his hunting season teased us a little bit with that and then i think but it seemed like the boat companies were ahead of them on the launches <laughs> which i thought was funny because i'm like uh it's not out yet but all the you know <laughs> so anyway but yeah. yeah that's exciting for them too i'm glad to see them launch a new new color and it looks like that one's got like it's hard to see it on here because i'm looking on my little phone but it looks like the edge has got a little bit of whites in it or so maybe some rock it is they yeah they, they lightened up the
1: pattern a little bit um and when you put it down next to the extra pattern, I mean, noticeable difference in the the definition and the contrast and um, how that pattern seems to really separate and give you some depth.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. So, all right, so we got um, we got blackout, we got the buckskin, we got Gore Opnifade Sub Alpine, which you said was pretty sick. We got Kuyu's mm-hmm. Verde 2.0, which looks awesome. I saw you wearing a jacket. I think I have a jacket of that. Is that what we have, yeah. the jacket? That Okay, yeah. Kuyu sent us a couple of those. That's cool. Uh, the Realtree Edge, which is brand new this year, and Under Armour Ridge Reaper, which has been around, right? The Baron. That was out last year, I believe, or the year before. The Baron.
1: Yeah, we we launched it last year. Okay. Um, obviously, the pattern's been around longer with Under Armour, but last year was the first year it was found on a bow.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Very cool. And then... Um, so you guys are doing, still doing the Bone Collector right okay. edition and then the Cam Cameron Haynes editions? Those are two different yep. ones? Very cool. Yep. OK. And then accent yep. colors, okay. you guys got a ton of variety. And that was one of my favorite parts. I remember when you guys sponsored our Bone drummer Show a couple of years ago, it was fun picking out the colors. That was, that was like my favorite part, was picking out well, all the accessory colors.
1: You, you've got to accessorize it. Like it's everyone's so got fun. Niche, so.
0: I'll tell you what, man, I shot a bear with the, with the carbon bow um, I think it was a spider, but it was it's yeah. so smooth and it was such a I, I'll never forget it because it was a scary moment in my life hunting in Canada <laughs> with a bear hunt, but it was awesome to to do that and that bow was great to have in the field with me being carbon super light on top of it and then being able to get it in and out of that tree no problem. Also, I felt like I felt I felt confident and that was the that was a big thing you know because you're going up against the bear you don't know what's going to happen the odds are nothing's going to happen but you just don't know that especially when you've never done it before. And yeah, this I was mean, the first that, time.
2: That bow
1: might have to turn the camera, and so I mean, like that, you definitely want a carbon swinging around.
0: Because oh the yeah,
2: <laughs> might get I, I, cause had
0: bat I have that, and I had fire. my bear mace. Those the two things I had on that <laughs> adventure, and the bear mace almost got used. I'm not gonna lie; it was close, close call. But uh, I ended up shooting that bear, and and the uh, Hoyt smoked it fast. That thing didn't go far at all. In fact, I thought it died so fast. I was surprised by that. They they don't yeah. seem to die yeah. very. Um, they die pretty yeah, easy. As tough as you think they Not are. like a deer. I yeah. feel like a deer is tougher, tougher than
2: a much tougher.
0: Um, can you explain real quick, Evan, the uh, red works it, what it is so is that uh, I think I read something that that you guys use that term and that's supposed to be like the the best product you guys are put putting forward or something. could can you like explain that?
1: Yeah, so we've always talked for years about you know how Hoyt wants to and and how we separate ourselves from the rest of the industry. And we've always used the term the Hoyt way. Um, you know, why do you do 1,500 dry fire tests? Well, that's the Hoyt way. And, well, why do you do a million cycles? What's well, the Hoyt way? You know, we believe in strength and durability and dependability in our products. Um, and the Redworks is, is basically the, the Hoyt way. It's our mentality and it's our philosophy behind why we design and engineer products the way we do. Everybody that is tied to this entire project from start to finish in engineering and marketing and customer service and and our production team, we all have stock in the fact that we're going to take those bows in the field and we are going to beat them up, you know, hunting the Wasatch Front. We're going to go to Alaska. We're going to go um, literally anywhere that you can pick up a tag and we're going to put this through the most grueling temperatures, conditions, environments, terrain that you can imagine. And we demand nothing less than perfection out of our equipment. Um, So the Redworks, it's the pinnacle of bowhunting performance, technology, and engineering. Um, Our engineers are the best in the field. They have a passion that truly no one else can master or surpass. It's you know, it's it's a product that we want everybody to use because we want everybody to know that we trust them,
2: and you should too.
0: Yeah, it's and they and they have a hard job. That's for sure. They have to keep up, and they also have to perform and outperform. That it's very tough. I think to be an engineer in the yeah. Archie industry, in my opinion, because there's just a lot, you know. And you you got you know got to keep moving forward. And obviously, Hoyt is one of those companies that will always keep moving forward. There's no doubt about that. That's for sure. So, um but yeah, I mean. Uh, the performance is great. I, I'm, I'm excited uh, to shoot the new bow. I know you guys will have it coming for Test Lab soon. And uh, really excited to get on the show and test it and um, put it through the works ourselves and then uh, call you back and tell you how we broke it. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved the, <laughs> Just kidding. The, the design that Hoyt has, too. Like Their to designs like are to always awesome. Yeah, yeah, no. I know. In fact, I do miss that when uh, Kevin Wilkie was there, and he used to drive over the uh, carbon ones with the F-150s in the parking lot. I definitely miss that. Yeah. And, you know, we've thought
1: about recreating really that test with the new stuff just to show how strong it is. If you guys want, we is.
0: can recreate it. Just send us a bow that yeah. we can destroy, not one that we want to keep. <laughs> <laughs> Crush. I mean, we have an F 150 we can go over it with. We have a Silverado. Can drop we have it from a, a plane. 250. We have a 2500 Silverado. Can we can drop have, it from the plane. We could tow it around with the four wheeler. We could go over it with a snow dog, which you guys don't have, which is something cool and yeah. different. Yeah. Tear it up with a snow dog and then we could, I don't know what else we could do, but we could do something. But if it breaks, I'm going to give it right to you. You can even hear a word I'm saying. I can't hear anything you're saying. Are you talking? <laughs> do we have any questions for Evan in the back? No? All right, sorry. There's an accumulation of people that have okay. come into the podcast now. that are behind the scenes standing there looking at us. So, all right, Evan, hey, man, we appreciate you joining us tonight and uh, on Facebook Live as well as uh, for the podcast. It'll be available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And, uh, hey, man, uh, good luck the rest of the year. We'll get a hold of you and and really looking forward to talking to you more. Also, you know, tell Jeremy and Mike and all those guys, Randy, they're always welcome on the show to talk some hunting. We would love to have them on.
1: It's a pleasure, guys.
0: All right, thank you. Bye.
1: Yep, we'll see you in a couple weeks.
0: All right, yep. yep, yep, For sure. See ya.